With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Sandorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over a uh, busy weekend in racing and racing news. Joining me in the studio, I've got Richard Uden, Seth Eggert, Louise Torres. How are we doing, guys? Doing well. Yeah, thank you. Doing a bit better than Bill O'Brien. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> you, always gotta, you can't just say I'm doing well. So anyway, um, I have a couple of times with when I was when I turned, you know, well, talk, you know, when I turn a new year. All right. At least that only happens once a year. I'll give you that. So <laughs> anyway, uh, guys, thanks for joining tonight. Uh, there's, there is a lot to talk about. There's a, a lot of driver movement news. Uh, we've got uh, a record equal to Formula One. Uh, we have a cutoff races for uh, NASCAR's top two series. So let's start with. The weekend at the Charlotte Roval, and uh, the Xfinity guys ran Saturday, Cup guys ran Sunday. Um, the Xfinity race was plagued with some weather. Now, Seth, I don't know if there's a record, you know, maybe of amount of rainfall for the wettest NASCAR <laughs> race ever, but but I, I would say this one definitely has to be right there near the top because uh, I've I've seen sports car races and Formula One races. And IndyCar races that were red flagged with less rain than this. Uh, we're talking huge puddles on the track, uh, huge puddles on the, the, the grass, grassy areas adjacent to the track. Uh, you know, we saw that one that one guy when he, he went off course, he pretty much created a tsunami. Wow. But yeah, he created a tsunami with. <laughs> so it, it, it was very wet. Uh, there were some crashes. I think for the most part, though, overall. I think some of those guys did an excellent job uh, in the rain, um, and and they're all they're all kind of other issues. Guys had windshield wipers failing and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it was um, road course ringer AJ Allmendinger there at the at the front of the field who survived the the chaos. So Seth, let's uh, start by talking about the Xfinity race, and then let's we'll move on to the Cup race where the uh, the rain let up for a bit. Well, as far as this being the wettest race, uh, it's definitely up there. Uh, I think the only other one that comes to mind is uh, Montreal 2008, which was the first Xfinity race run in the rain. And that one, the rain was so bad that they actually did call the race just past halfway. Uh, if I remember correctly, Ron Fellows won that one. But back to the one this past weekend, it, it was a show, I'll say that much. Whether you liked it or not, it... Personally, I'd rather have raced in the rain like how they did versus delaying it because the next dry day in or just relatively damp day, other than Sunday for the Cup Series, was today. And they have to be in Kansas on Saturday. So the turnaround time, I don't know if that would have worked to be able to keep the playoffs as it is for the Xfinity Series. Right. Now, see, uh, now, rain, rain in Montreal or rain at Road America or rain at Mid-Ohio is uh, is one thing, right? But uh, at the Charlotte Roval, which is, you know, it's it's classified as a road course, it, it does still, they still are racing on, you know, the bank section of the NASCAR Oval uh, for a good bit of that, that track there. So, uh, yeah. and that's something that's kind of, you know, other than seeing, like, the sports cars at Daytona 
um, in the rain. It's something a bit. It's definitely unprecedented for the NASCAR guys to be racing on the banks in the, those wet conditions, is it not? Yes and no. It, it Arca did it at Daytona on the Daytona Road Course uh, about two months ago. Uh, Xfinity, this is their first time doing it. Uh, believe it or not, for the Cup Series, they actually did it once before. Uh, there's uh, old newsreel footage from the 1966 Daytona 500, and that race, the final about 10 to 15 laps was in the rain, under green, until they finally called it with two to go. Back then, the tires were still treaded, so it wasn't exactly rain or wet tires versus slick tires. It was just something that they were able to do back then that hasn't been done in the modern era, at least until this past weekend. Certainly so. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the sorry, I, I just wanted. I, I don't think the problem necessarily uh, with racing in, on an oval in the rain is grip. You know, it can create tires which would, would grip. But I think one of the big problems you've got is you, you, you know, when it rains and you're racing in the rain, you kick up a lot of spray. The problem is an oval, the spray doesn't go anywhere. It just collects back where it, you know, basically where it took off from, and you know, vision then becomes the biggest issue. Uh, at least, you know, when you have it on a, on a bit of a, um, you know, a, a, a road course, it does dissipate a little bit more around the track rather than just pull and fall back in on itself. Now, at least for the Xfinity series, uh, there were some drivers, like you said, that had windshield wiper issues. The three drivers that had windshield wiper issues, or the three main drivers, were all of the colleague racing cars, A.J. Allmendinger, Ross Chastain, and Justin Haley. The only other one who actually did have uh, issues with his windshield wiper was uh, C.J. McLaughlin, but he also had a bunch of other mechanical issues, so I think that might all be related to one central thing on his car. Uh, that being said, there were other drivers that had issues with their defoggers as well. Uh, Ryan Vargas, his defogger failed. Uh, I think the same thing happened to Mike Snyder. Josh Balicki, Jeffrey Earnhardt, Cody Ware. I know for a fact it happened with Greg Golding because it also affected his radio, and he never served a penalty because of that, so NASCAR stopped scoring him on last lap 60. Hmm, interesting. Now, I did notice they all had the, the rain light on the back of the car. That, the, you know, that, as, one, that was required. That was right, the only right. thing required out of uh, the other... The, between the the fogger, the wiper, and the light in the back, only the light was actually required. Yeah, because with all the spray, it was definitely hard to see. I almost I almost wondered if those guys, because it was rather dark and gloomy as well. I almost wonder if they would have benefited from having you know sports stars, you know sports car style headlights. I don't know that it would have improved the driver's vision any, but certainly well, it, it would make uh, the, the cars a bit more visible. To well, yeah. uh, you know, spectators, probably, safety yeah. workers, other competitors. You'd have, to have those well, in, you'd have to have those in the windshield, I think, at the front, well, because if you have them on the quarter panels, they're just going to get smashed, and then you're going to certainly, yeah. Punches well, and well here's the well, here's the other thing. In the infield, they did have some temporary lights for IMSA. Uh, I think they had a total of fifteen, but it wasn't enough to light up the track to help with visibility. They brought in another eight overnight uh, in case the Cup Series had to run at night, but uh, they didn't have to in the end. Uh, so I was just saying it'd be, it'd be kind of tough to, to, to know if somebody was right up behind you with all the spray, you know. But, uh, oh. you know, again, this is, you know, kind of a, a bit of uncharted ground, you know. Some, Somewhat. Some of the drivers did it by, some of the drivers did it by feel. Uh some, it was the spotters helping them where they could anyway. Um, it, the conditions were rough for the spotters, the photographers, uh, just about everyone. Uh, that being said, AJ did win. Noah Gregson, after getting dumped by Riley Herbst, came back to finish second. Daniel Herrick finished third. Uh, fourth, Alex Bay with his first career top five finish. And the first career top five finish for Mario Goslin's DGM Racing. Uh, Chastain was fifth, uh, Cindric sixth, Cody Ware was first career top ten in seventh. 
Uh, Jade Buford, a uh, road course ringer, with his first uh, top 10 in 8th. Then you had Michael Nett, uh, who was eliminated <clears throat> from the playoffs in ninth, and Brandon Jones in 10th. I'd say it was a good run for, like, for definitely Buford was right right up there, just a couple strategies, and obviously kept him out from being further to front, so he had a spectacular race, that's for Ooh. sure. That's the one that stood out to me the most out of that top 10. And LeBay. Yeah, and, and I'll also throw in uh, Mike Snyder. He was running well up there until, uh, as he put it, uh, he got bo- tired of uh, tiptoeing around the track like a grandma, and the one lap he doesn't, he loops around in turn one. That's yeah. why you tiptoe around like a grandma. <laughs> I mean, he answered his own question there. Josh Williams, Yeah, Josh Williams, too, until uh, he got dumped, I think, by Haley, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there were so many good runs from, like, the Goslins and the DGMs and the Bobby Dodders of the world, but only out of all those, LeBay got it around. Williams, unfortunately, didn't, and Buford managed something out of his day. Also, uh, uh, also, uh, Preston Pardis, another ringer, uh, he was running... Uh, it was actually the first race that all three of Mario Goslin's cars finished uh, stage inside the top ten. Uh, which, for an underfunded team, granted, even though it's just a stage, it's still showing that they can compete if they have the right drivers, the right equipment, and the right strategy. Granted, yeah, the rain was an X factor, but... And LeBay got more points out of everyone through the first two stages, more than one more point than Greg said, with 16. That he did, he ended up earning the second most points. The only person who earned more points was Gregson, uh, like you said. Um, the drivers that were eliminated from the playoffs, in addition to Michael and that, Riley Herbst, Brandon Brown, and Harrison Burton. Okay, so that leaves us the field of eight for the championship, correct? For the Xfinity series. For yes. the Xfinity. So how many, who are those eight drivers? Uh, Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, Justin Allgaier, Noah Gregson, Justin Haley, Brandon Jones, Ross Chastain, and Ryan Sieg. All right, some big names there. Who's your Who's your favorite for the championship at this point, Seth? For the Xfinity series, you can't go wrong with Briscoe. Okay, yeah, I, I'm he thinking kind of, he doesn't win it. That's true. Yeah, I was. I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah. I'm leaning towards Austin Cindric myself, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to come down to the, one of those two guys. But then again, you know, with the the playoff format, it's it really just comes down to that last race and whoever has a has a banner day. So, yeah, but it could uh, be Brandon Jones for all we know if he makes could it be, far. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's pretty handy, isn't he? You know, he's he's yeah, he's been getting better this number year. of occasions. Yeah, and he signed on for uh, Joe Gibbs for another year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jones is sticking around another year, and so is Cindric. Indeed. So now, since we're talking about eliminations and and chases uh or playoffs i'm sorry the uh i still want to call it the chase uh but the the nascar playoffs are on in full swing for the cup level as well cup guys were also at uh, charlotte uh they had a day that started with uh wet conditions mind you not quite as wet as the xfinity but they they finished off uh with uh with decent weather for the for the for the most of the race and at the end of the day it was uh, Chase Elliott, who's now won, I believe, five road course races Four. in a row. Four. Four. So, well, he's yeah. So he's uh, he's probably looking at next year's schedule with autumn road races and saying, "Oh, I like this." Um, <laughs> well, but, but anyway, so, so they need to put the championship race on a road course, don't they? Uh, that would be fun. Well, yeah. Although, be to be idea. fair, Phoenix. Although to be fair, Phoenix has been one of Chase's better tracks. And the championship race actually used to be on the road course at Riverside way back when. Way back when, yes, mm-hmm. but that wasn't, but that wasn't a winner-take-all championship race. That was a, Correct. you know, yeah. you know, cumulative points for the season, right? So yeah, it was. Um, and a lot of times, a lot of times, it was decided before they ever got to Riverside. You know, back back very, in the day. That is very so, true. All right, so let's talk, let's let's talk about the Cup race. Of course, the big news is about who was eliminated, and that would be. The, Kyle, the, Busch. Kyle Busch, the current cup champion, is winless still and 
now eliminated. Um, and he actually led a few laps there at Charlotte. He didn't have a, a bad day. I believe he finished fifth or sixth. Um, but it was it was too little too late, and he's on the outside looking in, which means he'll probably win three races coming up. It wasn't even fifth or sixth. He finished thirtieth out of that whole ordeal. He, he he ran out fuel with two or three to go. Okay, well he was run he was running in the top five in the late stages. Yeah, he, yeah. he did a pit strategy, but Eric Jones, who's going to leave Joe Gibbs kind of debunked all that opportunity for Bush to get that elusive first win of the season. Although Jones did play a pretty decent defense on one of those last restarts. Uh, he slid out in front of Chase and practically parked himself in front of Chase for a, a good portion of two laps or so, allowing Kyle to get uh, a little bit of a lead over Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott. But, uh, Elliott's uh, road course skills just was too much for everybody. I mean, I think uh, two two or three laps after Chase got the lead, he had a, like a six-second or seven-second lead. That's how uh, scary good he is on road courses. Yeah. Yes, he, he's very now, good, yes. Go on, Richard. Now, Chase doesn't have like a, a background in road racing, does he? Like an agent. No, not yeah, really. Just, um, I mean, well, what I was no going to say is else, the, the most I would point to is maybe... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And granted, Chase has talked about this. Other drivers have talked about practicing their road course skills actually at the GoPro Motorplex, the go-kart track here in Mooresville. Uh, even though yeah, it's yeah. a completely different car, even though it's completely I'm different still, skill sets yeah. at a certain point, it does hone their skills to uh, allow them yeah. to practice certain things. And I know Chevy have a simulator in Mooresville down near Charlotte that they share with uh, Chevy, you know, share it with the Cup Series and the IndyCar Series, so I'm sure they'll be spending plenty of time in that simulator getting some uh, some miles, uh, which which all helps, but uh, I wonder how old, you know, also how much, you know, Hendrick, uh, you know, is playing into the way they set the car up as well, because it is a unique well, beast setting up a road course car compared well, to a, you know, mile and a half car. Well, there's a couple of other notes I do want to make on that. Uh, for one, uh, Chase's father, Bill Elliott, his first win was actually on a road course, and he actually was pretty decent on road courses uh, prior to NASCAR going from what we would now call the Gen 3 car to the Gen 4 car. Uh, that, On top of that, uh, Hendrick has a track day program called Track Attack in which they're taking older Gen 6 cars, the uh, Chevy SS, and making uh, personal track day cars for people to go out and run at various road courses, whether it's a VIR, Road America, uh, Mid Ohio, etc. And they have Jeff Gordon go and shake each car down. Which I don't know about you guys, but that sounds a little bit like testing, mm. but a roundabout way of doing it. Yeah, speaking of testing, didn't they just recently got busted for exceeding the test limits? Oh, uh, no, uh, the test limits. Oh, excuse uh, wind me, wind tunnel. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. My but, but uh, that track attack deal that Hendrick has, it's completely legal under the NASCAR rulebook, but it almost feels like they're definitely exploiting a uh, gray area that 
they found that no one else uh, saw coming. Well, if it, I mean, if it's a gray area and nobody else wants to do it, then it's everybody else's problem, isn't it? You know, if it's legal, yeah. and, you know, you, you you either get on with it or you 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 know shut up basically. I know it's a it's a harsh sort of way of looking at it, but you know, Hendrick have the resources to do that sort of thing, and they they know what it takes to win, and uh, they know that there's an advantage. I mean, especially going into next year, where you're going to have was it eight road course race? How many road course races is it next Two? year? So Six. seven either. The six points paying road course races and the Bush oh, Clash. And the, the, the Clash. So yeah, so you know they're looking at it from the point of view as well. You know, if, if we if nobody else is doing it and we can do it, then screw them. We're going to go off and do it. Ourselves. And, and and they actually started that. I want to say about a year and a half ago, which correlates to uh, I believe when Chase won Watkins Glen, if I remember correctly. I mean, where? Yeah, I, mean, I think part of it is is where are they actually doing these? You know, the shakedowns that. Uh, they... Well, primarily it's been on road courses that the Cup Series is not going to. Like VIR or somewhere or v- like that. VIR, right? Mid Ohio, uh, Road Atlanta. Yeah. I think Road America. I think Road America. And again, this is uh, last year, so well before it was on the future Cup schedule, uh, but. Um, it is an interesting idea. There, I'll have to find the photos of it, but one of them actually crashed at VIR uh, and rolled, uh, so you can get a good picture of what they're doing to the underside of these cars. I thought you said you get a good discount on one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, one slightly damaged. That, that was the... Uh, after it was turned over to the new owner, so so it was uh, turned over to the new new owner. I like that. Yeah, all these considered. Ellie, we talk about Austin. We joke about Austin Sender getting one step closer to the Indianapolis 500. I think we should start campaigning for Chase Elliott to run the Rolex 24. I, I just to see how well he does with the big boys at IMSA. Yeah, I think I think he, I think he'd excel in that race. I mean, that's a. Uh, that's that's a really good race that a lot of guys from different series do. Yeah, I, I would love to see Chase in the Rolex. Here's the question, though, for that. If he were to do it, does he go the Corvette racing in the GTE? Or does he – or, well, GTLM, uh, I should say. Or does he go to a uh, prototype team? That would be a great question, and I feel like – it ultimately depends. So I can't remember exactly because I'm I'm kind of a noob when it comes to Insa. I think the Hardy would tell you more as far as the future of Corvette. I know they were in the borderline. I, I forget if they're retiring a car or they're pulling out. I can't remember what it was exactly. I don't uh, Alan, did. Well, they uh, well Chevy just introduced a new C8, so I don't think they're pulling out if they just introduce a new car. I think they might be pulling out of the uh, DPI. At least so. that, that, that's the only thing that makes sense. Probably so, but I think, yeah, that would make more sense. But still, either way, whatever, it's a one of the classes, I think it'll be a neat treat to see because I know Martrix Jr. was offered a ride for the Rolex 24, but he turned it down. So it ha- it'll be neat to see somebody else give it a go if they're approached to it. I think Ellie would not be a bad choice at all. Neither would Truex, honestly, just by saying that. Yeah, Truex is pretty darn, darn good in the road course as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think what ha- I think what happened when he said it at media day is that, or, me- or during the off season, I think it's he, the one IROC race he ran in 06, he just felt like he wasn't that good at it. And look what he did in, in August. Mm. He did all right. And now. Uh... Before we leave the topic of uh, racing in the rain, essentially, uh, I do want to bring up two notes. One, at least for road courses in the Cup Series, this is the first points-paying race in the rain since 1955 at Road America. Uh, And a stat I came across, actually, on Saturday for the Xfinity Series, only two drivers have actually tested or practiced as far as the national uh, series is concerned, in the rain. Terry Labonte in 1995 at Martinsville and Mike Snyder in the Euro Series last year. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
So, all right, so let's talk about the playoffs, the cutoff. We've already established that uh, Chase Elliott is in and Kyle Busch is out, so uh, go ahead and roll off those other names. Uh, also eliminated Austin Dillon, Clint Boyer, and Eric Almarola, which uh, Clint Boyer, this is his final year as a uh, driver. He will be moving to the booth with Jeff Gordon and Mike Joy uh, on Fox starting next year. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a little bit. Uh, moving on, in addition to Chase, Joey Logano, Kurt Busch, Truex, Alex Bowman, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, uh, and Keselowski. All right, so we're set with our field of eight. Headed on to the next round where we'll eliminate four more people before the championship finale at Phoenix here in, uh, in about a month. Yeah, and they're all three different tracks, Kansas, Texas, and Martinsville. Yep. All different tracks. Very different tracks, uh, yep. We go from wild card races to now it'll vary big time, with the exception of Martinsville, because those usually never disappoint. Well, what I will say, though, is uh, the next three tracks on the schedule uh, are some of the best for, I would say, four specific drivers, uh that are currently in the playoffs, Harvick, Hamlin, Chase Elliott, and Logano. Yep, those are the four that I was thinking. This probably bodes well for the two guys that have dominated this season. As much as Hamlin says that don't read into much of the results because he knows that sometimes those results can be deceiving, where his car, he feel like it could be much better than what it ultimately ended up being. So, but Harvick, I think, I think he's a shoe-in. Hamlin should be fine. Elliot, as I have confidence, Elliot will get in all right. It's that fourth and final spot that is very cur- that's up in the air. But, yeah, I'm liking Logano's chances on that one as well. Yeah, that fourth spot's going to be hard fought because you got some, you've got some really good racers there uh, in this group of eight. So this is going to be, these are going to be some really exciting races to watch where nobody can afford to make a mistake and and get behind right off the bat. So, all right. So with that being said, let's talk about the driver movement news. You already had mentioned that uh, Clint Boyer will be leaving his seat. Uh, who is the um, candidate for that uh, that seat? From everything that uh, talk in the garage, uh, etc., the leading candidate for that is Chase Briscoe, which he's excelled in the Xfinity Series this year. I believe he has eight wins, which he jokingly said earlier in the year he needed to get eight wins in order to move up to the Cup Series next year. Uh, I yeah. I just can't see it being anybody else at this point. Pat yeah, now. Fun it with two to go on the re- on in the wets. Another one I've heard is Kyle Larson. Yeah, I was going to say Kyle Larson. Uh, people I've have been trying to put him in a steward car since the day he uh, since the day he was initially suspended. So. Well, I've heard Larson at Hendrick in yep. the That's car formerly number eighty eight. Yeah, because Bowman is going now to the forty eight this coming season in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Now, see, now in moving to the, from the, the, you know, to the 88 to the 48, is he taking his entire crew with him? Are they just well, sticking a different number on that car? Or is he... It, they're essentially sticking a different number on the car because uh, if you go to Hendrick Motorsports, you have the 924 shop and the 4888 shop. Mm-hmm. So it's literally the same shop. They're just going to be playing a different number and a different sponsor logo on the car because uh, Ally staying with the 48 and bracing Bowman. Okay, yeah, I was wondering if there's um, any rhyme or reason to him taking the, the other number so it's sponsor-related. In a part, it's sponsor-related. Uh, so my guess is that whoever they've got lined up to fill that seat, Ally doesn't want to be associated with them, so that would make you think it's somebody who has a little bit of a controversial history. Alec Carl Larson. Yeah, Ally is going uh, with Bowman. Which brings me to another point. Uh, William Byron doesn't have a full season sponsorship. He didn't even before this season. There was uh, two races that were scheduled to be uh, Hendrick Autoguard. Well, 
Hertz, after they filed for bankruptcy, pulled out of their sponsorship agreement. So now he has six unsponsored races. Bowman's, uh, uh, when he re-upped, they also announced uh, an additional sponsor. I forget what it was. But between Exalta, Lumar, and that sponsor, Bowman had six races of sponsorship. I think you're thinking about Cincinnati.com. That yeah, one? that's what I'm thinking of. So just moving those six races over to Byron, then he has a full season. And again, that would also assume whoever is moving into the 88 or whatever number it's going to be might have a history of some sort uh, that he has apologized for. And just about everyone, including Bubba Wallace, uh, and I believe even Willie T. Ribs had said that uh, Larson has learned his lesson and deserves another shot, which if Willie T. Ribs is saying that... Yeah, if Willie T. Ribs, yeah. Because we already know how he feels about Kyle Larson when we had Willie T. on the show last year. So if, if, if Willie T forgives him, then that's that's uh, that's fine with me. Put the put the kid back in a car. So uh, now there's another announcement with uh, involving Daniel Suarez. Mm-hmm. That involves him going to another Cup team for the fourth consecutive year in a row with Justin Marks' track house number 99 Chevrolet. So it's a brand new team, and I believe they got the charter from Jermaine Racing. No, uh, no, no. Jermaine well, Racing's yeah. charter went to uh, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan right, and right, Bubba right, 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 right. Uh, I've, hey, I've been out of the loop mentally for the uh, past couple weeks, here, so I'm trying to catch up. Uh, I can help with this one. Uh, Daniel Suarez and Justin Marks, they're getting their charter from Spire Motorsports, which somehow yeah. got a third charter from somewhere that no one can figure out. What is yeah. it exactly they're getting from Jermaine that I'm mixing up? Uh, the shop or the car? The shop and the alliance. Okay, that's where it, it was. They're taking, the over, they're taking over the spot that Jermaine had, essentially. Gotcha. My bad. Uh, and it's a team track house racing or something along those lines. Uh, Dan Swords is bringing his longtime sponsors with him, which uh, I believe... It, it was once called ours. It's now called Comscope, if I remember correctly. Uh, and on top of that, Justin Marks is bringing several of his partners along, uh, which I'm assuming since he co-owns the GoPro Motorplex, that GoPro is going to be one of those partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, uh, Justin Marks has a lot of connections in the outdoor and extreme mm-hmm. sports world as a mountain climber when he's not racing. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's companies that we don't know that might be new to NASCAR that come in. Yeah, I'd imagine. Certainly. Yeah. So, so you say he's doing, well. he's doing mountain climbing in addition to racing a car. Yeah. So all, all he has left is bullfighting. And then that's, that's the Hemingway that's quote, right? Much, yeah. When I talked to Justin at Sonoma I, in 2018, like as he was talking about all that stuff. Yeah. If I remember correctly, uh, during the, 1718 uh, off season, Justin Marks climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And I think between the 18 and 19 uh, off season, he climbed K2, which is the second Jeez. highest mountain in the world. And I think he was supposed to climb Everest this year, but COVID happened. Yeah, COVID ruined a lot of people's plans this year. Maybe, maybe he could do Pike's Peak and kill two birds with one stone, you know. I was well, gonna say, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe if he spent his off time carding, he'd be win, winning races like Chase well, Elliott. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Well, well, this is the thing. Marks may have still climbed it even before you know the shutdown and all that happened. I honestly don't know. Uh, last time I checked, he still had plans to do it, but it was—I think it was postponed a week or two. So I don't know if he ever actually got to do it or not. Yeah, that'd be interesting to find out. So, well, let's let's move forward. Uh, so we're off to Kansas next. Yeah. Right. Anybody want to pick a winner for Kansas? Like I like I'll say Kevin Harvick. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Bowman on this one, and a little surprise in there. I think this debutante Haley Deegan will finish. I'll give her 17th in her truck race. That's a little bonus pick. Okay. Seth. 
how about with Chase Elliott for the cup race? Uh, he's been, he and Hendrick uh, in general have been on a roll, at least in recent weeks. And it seems like they're just starting to uh, get up to form at the right time of the year for both him and Bowman to possibly make a charge at the round of four. All right, sounds good. Now, Richard, who do you like I mean, for nobody's, this? Nobody's picked my pick yet, which is great uh, for a change. Uh, <laughs> All right, Keselowski keeps uh, – um, yeah, win for him will just, you know – be that uh, that final fourth spot there yeah that's that's the thing about this format if you, if you get a uh somebody there in the bottom half of that that top eight right there jump up and win the race and that that's a spot every every race win is a spot so speaking of race wins lewis hamilton has finally matched michael schumacher's um, all-time record of uh, formula one wins and um and then of course the the debate has been Going on and on, uh, you know, is Lewis the greatest of all time? Is, you know, is his record tarnished because his car is so good? Um, anyway, but uh, all that aside, just historically, if you look at this in a historical context, um, there's not that many guys that have held the all-time win title. And there have been big gaps uh, in between uh, those records being broken. If you figure the first guy to win two races was uh, Fangio. Uh, back in 1950, which made him the first all-time uh, winner. Um, Ascari got ahead of uh, Fangio for a bit, and then Fangio um, got back ahead of Ascari, pushed the record to 24. Those 24 wins stood for all about 10 years till Jim Clark won number 25, and uh, Clark's win number 25 would be his last win. And then Clark's record stood for, oh, just a couple of years till 1973, until Jackie Stewart won two more and pushed the record to 27. Stewart's record held from 1973 to sometime in the late 80s or early 90s when Alan Prost, uh, you know, won number 27 and then number 28. And then Prost proceeded to uh, push that record all the way up to 51, I believe. And then Prost's record, yeah, Prost record stood until the early 2000s when Michael Schumacher um, got around Prost and pushed the record from 50 all the way up to 91. And of course, Schumacher's record has held since. Is it is it 2006? He won his last race. Yeah. At Chinese Grand Prix 2006. Yeah. Right. And then so from 2006 till now, which is you know 14 years, uh, now Lewis has got that uh, 91 wins, which is an astronomical number when you consider the number three guy on the list right now. Is Sebastian Vettel with 53 wins? It's a huge gap. Uh, that's, I mean, I don't, you know, say what you want about Lewis, say what you want about Mercedes reliability, say what you want about uh, the fact that there's more races in a season and and blah blah blah. And Schumacher got to it in less starts, whatever. There's there's no reason to throw shade at Lewis right now. He is at the top of the list, tied with Michael Schumacher. He'll likely be the first guy to break 100 wins uh, because Lewis still is at the top of the field and top of his game. Richard, what say you as our uh, resident Formula 1 analyst? I mean, it's a phenomenal achievement, isn't it, really? Um, you know, you look at that, somebody made the comment of, that's like Hamilton winning every race for five seasons would correspond to 91, 91 wins. Um, and at the end of the day, you can only beat your opposition. Um, you 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 know, you you look at the sort of his peer group, um, you know, that, that Hamilton's racing against, and it's an equal, probably equal to what Schumacher was racing against. You know, certainly he's the standout of the generation. Um, and you know, ironically, Michael laid a lot of the foundations of the Mercedes team that uh, Lewis is now taking advantage of. So, uh, you know, there is that synergy there and that crossover there. But uh, I don't think anybody can criticise him, what you know, criticise Hamilton or find fault at what he's done. Um, you know, everybody likes the underdog, and unfortunately, for the last, you know, what feels like almost 15 years, 14 years, you had 19 underdogs and one one champion really uh, for long. Right, and, time, and again, yeah. for for the longest time, we felt that that Schumacher's record of 91 would never be touched. You know, and and yeah. and, and here we are because he was yeah. so far ahead. No. But I mean, the same. They they thought Jackie Stewart's record was was going to exactly. be really hard to break. You know. 
these things come and go, don't they? You know, it could very well be that when Lewis hangs his helmet up, that nobody matches that for another fifty years or whatever it may be. But you know, you look at when Schumacher won those titles, there was sixteen, seventeen races in a year. Now there's twenty, twenty-one. So you could argue that within Hamilton's career, he has you know more of an opportunity to match that uh, tally. But I certainly don't see that this being the end of Hamilton's, um, you know, win streak. He'll get to 100, I think, relatively comfortably. You've got to remember that Schumacher retired two races after his two hundred sorry, ninety um, first win. I, I don't see Hamilton retiring anytime soon. So Hamilton will push this, you know, into the hundreds, maybe 110. You know, but if he keeps going for another three or four years, he may even get to 120 mark. Certainly, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, not out of the realm of possibility. He's been he's been winning roughly 10 to 12 races a year. Yeah, some, some years then, more. So yeah. yeah, it's it's not out of possibility. He takes it up to 130. Yeah, you know what I mean? If he, he hangs around. If he signs his contract for next year, which he's still not officially signed, which I thought I would imagine that he would. Um, you know. You say, okay, well, you know, he's got another, what, five races this year. Maybe he wins three of those. That'll take him to 94. He may hit 95 this year. Um, you know, he'll probably surpass the 100 relatively in the first half of next season. Finish next season at 105. Then, obviously, the big change that could kick in for Mercedes is obviously the new aero regulations, the new aero package. But, again, I imagine they'll be as prepared as anybody for those changes. And, you know, what's... I, I find it funny in a way when people criticize in any sport, whether it's, um, you know, soccer, baseball, but either basketball, motorsports, NFL, you know, whatever it may be, you know, people criticize other teams for being good and winning. You know, did people criticize what the, was it the Dolphins team in the mid 70s that went undefeated? You know, people criticize them for going undefeated. 72 no. Dolphins. Yeah. 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 Well, and uh, you yeah, know, like the, the New England great, Patriots, but... everybody, nobody wants to give the New England Patriots their due. <laughs> they they all say, oh, yeah. well, they're cheating, they're cheating, they're cheating. You know what I mean? No. Or they've had a few. Undefeated in the regular season, they just didn't win Super Bowl, so that's why the Dolphins have the distinguished honor of being perfect yeah. all year. Yeah, they're exactly. still, yeah, yeah they still hold that record, but this is not yeah, a football people... show. No, yeah. but you shouldn't criticize people for being successful. And you know, as long as you're not, you know. Um, suppressing the opposition in any way and making it, you know, as long as it's a level playing field, and yes, money does come in, so I agree, but are you going to criticise Mercedes for wanting to put the money in? Why don't BMW step up and put the money in? Why don't, you know, Chevy step up and put the money in? Why don't Ford step up and put the money in? They've yes. tried, but never been successful. So you cannot blame Mercedes for being successful. You cannot blame Hamilton for being successful. You know, I'm going to tell you this. Hamilton has not achieved his success without a phenomenal amount of hard work. Hamilton has not achieved his success at Mercedes without himself putting a huge amount of input into the development of that car and the progression of that car. Um, you know, you look at what Fangio did back in the 50s. He won five world championships with five different teams, I think it was. He, at the time, it was far more black and white as who was the best car. And he would just, at the start of the year, look at the cars and go, well, the Maserati's the fastest this year, or the Ferrari's the fastest, or the Alpha's the fastest, and go to the fastest car. You know, Hamilton... Well, Fon Fongio was, was known to, uh, as the team, to have his, his his teammate pull over and swap cars if his teammate's car oh, was yeah. faster than him, yeah. yeah. So it was yeah, a little... Man. Yeah, Fangio was... Uh, he was the uh, the prototypical uh, number one driver of the time. Exactly. But you, know, you can't blame Hamilton for that. You cannot blame... And he's come up against... You know, some pretty damn good teammates. You know, you've had Alonso, world champion, there, Button, a world champion in there. Uh, you know, Rosberg, a world champion in there. So he's been teammates of three different world champions. And, you know, Rosberg's the only one that's beaten him and won a championship in in that year. But, you know, he's, he's you know, he's proved himself against, especially Alonso, arguably, you know, a driver that you'd put in the same breath. So... You know, multiple world champions, so you can't criticize the guy. You know, maybe you can criticize him for some of his, his off track behavior, but certainly, um, you know, when he when the helmet goes on, the visor goes down. You know, he's you can't question the guy. 
Yeah, I think uh, it was one of the Mercedes principals put it best when he said, you know, when anybody says that, you know, Lewis only won because he's in the Mercedes, that that person asks himself, why aren't, why aren't I in the Mercedes? Yeah, so exactly. in other words, there's a very good reason why Lewis is in that car. The, you know, the best. Yet he had a couple relatively off years before he moved up to Mercedes. Oh, sure, with the McLaren, yeah. yeah. And that was ironically with the Mercedes engine. Yeah, and where Jensen Button was probably the better of the McLaren drivers. And that was more on, I think, the driving style and the style that suited the cars at the time. You know, Hamilton mm-hmm. adapted very, very quickly to uh, the Turbo Era car, probably better than anybody else. And Mercedes is a team, you know, that they, they, you know, when Nicky Lauda was there, you know, it was Nicky that got Lewis really to drive. You know, there's that Singapore Grand Prix when Hamilton was fighting for the championship and um, I think he had an engine failure or a gearbox failure at Singapore and he was walking back to the garage and, uh, you know, Nicky Lauda stopped him on the way back to the McLaren garage and said, hey, Lewis, we need to have a chat, you know, and, and pretty much there and then he, he signed for Mercedes. Um, so, you know, a lot of that was due to the somebody like Nicky Lauda, you know, creating a game plan and executing it and, you, you know, you know, for every single person involved in that team has to take a huge amount of credit there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I find it very hard to question his success. Um, Certainly, you know, yeah. Yeah, people want to, obviously, people want to cheer for the underdog on a race-by-race basis. You know, we love it when like, guys like Gasly win a race or even when Bottas wins a race or anything like that. You know, people love it. But over the course of a season, nobody can... Even even the season that Rosberg won the championship, you could argue that Hamilton was the better driver that year. And it was just the whole inter-team dynamic. Something went on. And Lewis has said when he retires, he will explain what happened in 2016 uh, within that team. Because the team swapped at the start of that season. So all the mechanics that Lewis had for 2015 and 2014 and, and, and the years before went over to Rosberg's car. So something happened within that team that we don't know yet. And Hamilton has said he will, you know, spill the beans as it were when, when it's all, you know, come, come to pass. I, I honestly but, hope so, because if Alex Riley's not going to tell us about John Cena, I hope Hamilton tells us about Rosberg. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it, so, but let's, let's, yeah. I just want to just, I mean, if you just fathom how long it's going to take for somebody to match this record. You know, the, the next oh, closest I mean, active driver a... is Vettel, who's at the end of his career. And, yeah. and Vettel's, you know, 40 races behind, uh, you know, yeah. with 50, 50, he's got 53. And then, then you know, the next young guy up there, you know, uh, are, are, you know, bosses and, um, uh, Verstappen with nine wins apiece, right? Yeah, so they've got they've the got ten percent of Lewis's total right now, you know, because I mean Kimmy's oh, up there, but he's not. Alonso's yeah. still active, but he's a uh, he's not yeah. going to win that many more. You know, no, those guys are at no. the end of their career. So, so this so this record will stand for a couple generations. I would have thought so. I mean, I think you've got to look at the question of well, how old was Hamilton when he made his debut in uh, 07, I think, wasn't it? He was probably what. 22, 23, maybe. He wasn't oh. like, you know, he wasn't 18 or 19. <coughs> so he's no. probably, you know, Verstappen has a few years head start on him, you know. Um, so he's probably at, at nine now where Hamilton was at zero. So, but, you know, you've got to look at is Verstappen going to get in a car that is dominant for a five or six or even a 10 year period uh, like the Mercedes has been? And he could work because. You know, I, I, I don't doubt that Verstappen is, a, from a driving standpoint, Hamilton's equal. Um, and I don't think, I think he's probably the only guy that uh, that is. And some of the comments coming out from Helmut Marko uh, regarding Red Bull's desire to pick a teammate is, is very telling on that. Um, you know, he doesn't think there's anybody out there that can get within a quarter of a second of Verstappen. Uh, which is, you know, for somebody, I mean, a helmet like is obviously going to pick up his own driver, but it's an interesting statement. Um, the fact that Albon's about three quarters of a second behind Verstappen tells him everything you need to know about helmet Marker's opinion of Alex Albon. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Max is the obvious choice right now, but uh, outside of that, oof, you know, they're probably not even born yet, are they? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah, they may not even be uh, or, or, or active in the series. So but let's talk about the race very briefly because I want to save yeah. some time for all the earth-shattering uh, IndyCar news. But we had a uh, uh, the weekend got off to uh, an interesting start for Lance Stroll, who was feeling ill. 
um, <laughs> yeah. feeling ill to yeah. the point that uh, he couldn't get off the toilets. Uh, so yeah. uh, Nico Hulkenberg was uh, drafted on short notice. Had to start at the. Yeah. Even more so than Silverstone, you know. I mean, it was literally last minute because Friday practice was rained out. Uh, right. Know, talking about rain in the Eiffel Mountains, and you know what? It, it rained. Um, yeah. So and robbed us from Ila and Schumacher practice yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very unfortunate for them. Both of those young drivers uh, missed out on a chance to show what they're capable of. Uh, but then, you know, it, 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 again, we talk about this condensed, uh, and actually, at uh, Imola, you know, in a few weeks' time, uh, they are running a two-day weekend with uh, practice going. There's no Friday practice because the teams will be travelling from Portugal and not getting there in time to set up for Friday running. Uh, so there's going to be an hour and a half pre-practice free uh, on Saturday and then qualifying on Saturday as well. So, you know, the teams can adapt to it. And a number of teams actually have already been discussing run plans for um, uh, Imola and, and they just brought those forward to uh, the Eiffel Grand Prix. So not a, not a, not a huge issue, obviously. Uh, you know, Hulkenberg didn't get any time in the car apart from qualifying, which was uh, a little bit under pressure there. But, yeah, he was uh, supposed to do German TV that day too. Yeah, exactly. He was having you know coffee with some friends on Saturday morning and gets a phone call from Otmar saying, uh, "Get yourself in a car," <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, going into the race, you know, he qualified last, but you know, Hulkenberg drove a great race through to eight. Um, unfortunately, the race was Valtteri Bottas's to lose, and he lost it. Uh, you know, an unusual mistake there, locking up and uh, Hamilton, allowing Hamilton's pass, and then through the pit stop cycles, that sort of hell station. But then Valtteri had a, I think it was an ERS issue, and he lost the um, energy regeneration capability of his car. Now, whether it was the the uh, MGU that wasn't being able to generate electricity to charge the battery, or it was the battery that failed, uh, I'm not sure. But um, he uh, he had to retire, which he just basically gifted Hamilton the win, and. He, there was a little scare at the end for him when uh, Lando Norris had a retirement, which brought out the safety car. Um, but you know Hamilton just you know held off and uh, coasted to victory. Really, it was once he once he uh, you know dispatched Bottas, it was pretty uneventful for him. Um, but uh, Hulkenberg had a great ride. You know, say driver of the day through to P8 from starting mm-hmm. last. Uh, yeah, it's quite it's quite a quite a drive in Formula One to, to make up yeah, that many spots in a yeah, race. Yeah, it was a strong day for a racing point overall for Perez getting four. He didn't lose any spots at the start because that's usually been the problem for him all mm-hmm. year. And then also uh, another stand standout was Daniel Ricciardo putting Renault on the podium for the first time since yep. Nick Heifeld over almost a decade yeah. ago. I mean, now you're basically in a position now where teams like. Uh, McLaren, Renault, and the like can can pick up that podium because, and again, this is no disrespect to Alex Albon. There's basically only three drivers that will fill the podium positions week on week. You know, Lewis, Valtteri, and Max. You know, there's really no. You know, Albon's running mid pack at the at best. Um, so, uh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and then the Ferraris are nowhere to be found as usual. No, so, I mean, I mean Le- Charles, well, Charles Leclerc is doing everything he can yeah. to salvage something. I mean, he's winning the neck of that thing, but you know, you could do that over one lap of qualifying, but doing it over a seventy-lap race is yeah. a different story. Um, so, you know, it's difficult for them. Um, you know, Sebastian had a interesting race, a couple of spins. Uh, you know, trying to pass one of the Alphas, I think it was. Um, well, we don't talk, but we haven't talked about another record that was set this weekend. Kimi Räikkönen becoming the um, uh, the most experienced Formula One driver, and to put it bluntly, he couldn't give a shit about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's typical Kimi. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, he's like, no, nah, whatever, I don't care. All right, so where, where are we off to next? Because we've got to we've got to save some time to talk about IndyCar. So where are we off to next? To Portugal. 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 In two October weeks. October twenty fifth. Yep. Yep. All right, yeah, so that'll that'll be a. Uh, that'll, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll be a great weekend of racing October the 25th that's when the, the Indy cars will be at St. Pete setting their season and speaking of the Indy cars we did have oh, some uh, some bombshell oh. smooth yeah we, we did have some bombshell news that uh, <laughs> you know Oliver Askew who's uh, had to sit out the last race due to concussion syndromes is now been um, released by the team after St. Pete they say that he will uh We'll be in the car at St. Pete so long as he's medically cleared. Uh, but but then after that, he's 
you know, he's free to uh, uh, look for a ride for 2021. Um, this, this has led some folks to harbor a bit of animosity towards the Aaron McLaren team. There's the, there's the feeling that uh, uh, that is his being released is due to his injury. Uh, there's some rumblings that uh, that his release is due to um, some things said by his management team, which is Spire Motorsports, um, to the Associated Press along the lines that kind of indicated that the team did not have uh, his own um, Oliver's well-being. Uh, in their best interest. Um, so uh, the real story lies in between somewhere. Uh, but, but, you know, either way, at the end of the day, uh, it was 24 hours later when Felix Rosenquist was announced as being the guy that's going to take that seat. And that's that's the one that surprised me came out of nowhere. I, I was under the impression that uh, Felix was pretty happy at Ganassi, uh, that Ganassi was pretty happy with Felix. Felix had won a race this year. Um but I don't know if uh, McLaren threw a pile of cash at him. I don't know if perhaps Rosenquist is not quite. I mean, this guy has a capability to be a team leader. Uh, but with Dixon in the picture, he's just he's not. He'll always be the number two to Dixon at that team. That team is built around Dixon uh, since Dario um, exited. Yep. So well, here's uh, why. It's surprising. It's surprising to a degree. But it's not at the same time because you know what this mean what this means. It may not mean anything, but that could probably put Johnson in that ten car with Felix going to the new team in twenty twenty one. The question will be who will be running the Opals. Or if they're still keen of having that fourth car for Jimmy with spending on sponsorships. That's why I'm not awfully surprised with that. Yeah, that's that's the big question mark. Is this uh, is this a full open seat now, or is that going to be JJ's seat? And then, then of course, you know, there's some rumors that it might be Tony Kanaan in the oval races that Jimmy doesn't race on. But, you know, there's only three oval races. Um, yeah, and then, <laughs> throw, you know, throwing that out, out there. Hasn't closed that yet. Yeah, but, I, I you know, I, they would enter it. If Johnson wanted to do the Indy 500, they'd probably enter an additional car. You know, a lot of teams enter an additional card Indy, so uh, so that's what remains to be seen. If we're gonna, if that opens up a seat for somebody like, oh, you know, maybe Oliver ask you to go over there, or or perhaps <laughs> I mean, Elio Castro Nevis is looking for a full time ride, um, and he's right. he's keen to announce. He said he's gonna announce his plans in the next couple of weeks. Uh, for me, the most likely scenario for Castro Nevis is that he he stays full time in IMSA. Uh, with the Michael Shank team, which is taking over the Acura program, and that uh, Shank puts him part-time in an IndyCar as well, including the 500. I can see that happening. Uh, I can see yeah, that being as a good pairing well. there. I don't see Castro Nevis going over to Chip Ganassi at this stage in his career, taking over the, the 10 on a full-time basis. Yeah. I just don't see it. It's, you know, And I don't see, you know, there are a lot of rumblings that, that you know, Castro Nevis was going to grab that seat um, that's uh, being vacated at McLaren. Yeah, and there's and also rumblings that McLaren is expanding to three cars as well. So yeah. m- maybe Elliot will land there. But, uh, you know, the, the Rosenquist thing threw, threw a kink in, in a lot of people's uh, silly season scenarios right there. Yeah, real you quick on, on Ask You, that wouldn't surprise me if it happens to be somehow jumps to Ganassi, considering he had that couple of tests with them last year before jumping on to Errol McLaren. But the biggest rubbish thing about the whole ordeal is that this just does not help the reputation with Errol McLaren. They already were hot water for how they dealt with Hinchcliffe, and now they have to go with this. I'd imagine PR Nightbird when you're basically getting rid of a guy due to how they handle the concussion. Now, Richard, you have what? something to say, so I'll let you finish. Oh, you, no, I was just going to say, you know, if I, you're saying that McLaren could be throwing a letter cash at Rosenquist. I mean, I know if I don't think of, you know, that Felix is a bad driver, but I could think of other drivers that they'd, uh, uh, you know, throw cash at. You know, I'm not saying he's bad, but if you're looking for a guy to lead a team, is, is, is Felix your guy? Well, I mean, is is Elio your guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is is, is well, Perez your guy? Perez could throw a load of cash at you. So you yeah, know, but yeah. uh, I I think Perez is still looking for a seat in Formula One, although he's been a, he's been rumored there as well. Formula E champion getting a seat with Brayhall Letterman, was it? Yes, yes, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a. You know, um, he's a pretty good dude. A, a, yeah, a solid little driver. Yeah, uh, there's you know lots of guys out there in Formula E that could step up to IndyCar and and especially with the way that the season 
uh, I think, you know, obviously this year has been a little bit of a, you know, um, freak, obviously, as we all know. But, you know, one of the plans was that, uh, especially with guys like Andretti, who run IndyCar and Formula E, you know, there's no overlap in the season. So I could quite easily see some drivers, when everything gets back down to, you know, settle, run Formula E and IndyCar. Because uh, that was, uh, so that's Andretti's plan. You know, the guys that run the uh, IndyCar team, and from an engineering standpoint, and or a you know, mechanic standpoint, also run the Formula E team as well, you know, during the off-season. So uh, you could start to see a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of cross-collaboration, cross if you like, between those two series. I said that would be neat when that time happens, because sooner or later, depends on Marco when he wants to just focus as an owner, because that's he could become open. I've heard of an, a while, uh, my erroneous rumor that maybe Marco steps down. Well, All right, you know, Oliver ask you did his Indy Lights with uh, with the Andretti team, so they uh, they ask you wouldn't be a bad fit at Andretti. But the, the the other thing I wanted to mention on ask you is that there's a lot of folks throwing shade at the team, um, but but almost nobody's throwing a little shade back at ask you for racing with concussion symptoms and not being forthcoming about it for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I wanted. You to know what I mean? If I if I was one of his competitors, I'd be. I'd be a bit angry and frustrated because this, you know, if he's that's that's putting the the safety of his competitors uh, at risk, well, you know. And, do, we, and, and, do we know this? Do we know the timeline of certain? You know, was it that he just didn't say anything, or was it that the team encouraged him not to say anything, or was he put, you know, external pressure put on him not to say anything? Do we know for definite that? Well, that's the. That's the the implication. Well, the implication from from uh, Jeff Dickerson, who's his manager, in the AP interview is that um, he was afraid he would be replaced if he did come forward with his symptoms. That's the implication. Um, so it, it seems from there, although it's not spelled out, out so many words, that that he was feeling symptoms, but chose to race and chose not to tell his team. So and that's but but nobody's making a big deal about that for some reason. Everyone is oh poor Oliver. Oliver got fired, you know. Yeah, so but uh, again, you know the, the real the real story lies somewhere in between the lines. It, it does. Well, but, I, think, uh, I, I mean, I, I think I, I would turn around and say I think NASCAR has oh, sorry, NASCAR. Yeah, blame NASCAR. Everybody else has. Uh, IndyCar has to have a certain amount of culpability here because at the end of the day, you know. Whenever a driver comes back from a broken leg, for example, you know they have to make sure they can do the extraction test, they can get out of the car quick, and you yep. know all these things. The Jimmy you Blight know. test. Yeah, you know, but and, and when so, you know when somebody has a, you know these these cars now have sensors all over the place, so they'll know how big the impact is. And it's like in Formula One or you know Indica. I'm thinking it's same in Indica. If you have an impact that trips a, um, you know a, a G sensor, you know the, the, the driver has to go and get a medical check post accident. And I think even now in Formula One, if you have a big enough impact, it automatically deploys the medical car and a safety car because of the severity of the impact. They want to get, you know, a treatment and assessment. Even if the driver appears okay, can walk out the car. You know, concussion, brain yeah. injuries are a black art in many ways. So it would be interesting to know, and I'm sure we'll never find out, what steps and procedure and protocol IndyCar has in place for a driver that has had a big accident like that, that's showing no external injuries because I'll bet you a lot of money that you ask if, if you've got 22 or 24 drivers or whatever it is in IndyCar to, you know, series or even the 30 drivers that you have at the 500 they all have the same accident the following weekend if they're asked to drive they'll say yeah I'm fine even if it's just in the driver's mentality that's how they are certainly they yeah I mean, it's... they could have an arm hanging off and they'll want to race yeah, it's yeah, so, it's no no different than a football player wanting to get back on the field with a you know just just exactly. tape, tape tape up tape up my my wrist tape up my ankle you know let me let me get back exactly. in the game. So, so but anyway, do, we what do they do to test the driver? You know, do they do cognitive tests? Do they do post concussion? You know, do they have a concussion protocol like they have in football? They do. Yes, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, Will Power was it forced didn't work to work very well. Well, Will Power was forced to sit out a race uh, because they thought he had concussion symptoms, and he and he didn't have a concussion. It turned out he had a uh, uh, an ear infection or or sinus infection. So, yeah, but um, Pete didn't he? And then he missed a race, a couple of races later, wasn't it, or something like that? 
or miss miss that miss the race at St. Pete. Yeah. Because they, they yeah, but he yeah, was yeah, suffering yeah. from a, a wasn't a concussion at all. So anyway, we are overtime now. So uh, um, you know, with that being said, I'll say uh, you know thanks to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and thank you iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcast. Thank you to you folks that listen to us and thank you Richard, Seth, and Louise. And uh, till next week, good night. <laughs> Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.